Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Front Office You podcast. My name is Ryan Carney. I will be hosting today's episode. We have a very special guest to get to in just a moment. But before we do that, alongside me today, hosting today's podcast is Ryan Many. Ryan, how are you doing today? It's great, Ryan. Glad to be back on another episode of Front Office You Fridays. It's summertime. Things are getting warmer. Sunshine's coming out. We got a good thing going on. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you guys will be listening to this podcast probably towards the end of May, which means the weather is definitely getting a little bit nicer. For our guest today, Philip Rhodes, the director of men's hockey operations at Niagara University. Really excited to have Philip on today's show. Summer means that a little bit more off-season focused. Uh, we were just talking about that before we get going on today's podcast for a little of us in the hockey world. But nevertheless, Philip, really appreciate you taking some time and welcome on to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Look forward to talking here for the next little bit and answering whatever questions, talking about my past. So. Yeah, no doubt. Philip has been a uh, really instrumental person in my career. Uh, obviously, you know, based on our titles, both of us have director of hockey operations roles within the Division One hockey level. So Philip definitely played an instrumental role in, in my career and kind of putting me on the right path in terms of getting connected and, and learning about hockey operations. And all of that will be things that we dive into over the course of this podcast. But just to get us going, Philip, would love to hear a little bit more on kind of your background, just getting into how you first got involved within sports. Who are some of the influential people of your friends and family that kind of pushed you in the direction of, you know, having a passion for sports? Yeah, I, from a pretty young age, was always interested in building teams, what goes into its stats. Uh, that was kind of the way that mom was a teacher, and I didn't necessarily enjoy math, but if you could turn it into a sports problem, I loved it. So kind of that was kind of the approach there, and the passion for sports obviously grew and always was interested more on the team building side, how teams were built, how success was built. So that kind of was the plan there. Uh, kind of moved around a lot as a kid. So some of the sports I was involved in changed throughout that. And then once I was in college, I was in my freshman year as econ poli sci major, took Chinese, uh, really kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And then after a year, kind of stepped away, took a year off school from my freshman to sophomore year and everyone's like you always wanted to work in sports like what were you doing trying to take all these fancy majors which were great um they just weren't necessarily something I was passionate about the econ I could do the Chinese I couldn't learn um I had learned I grew up in Germany from 10 on and learned German with like being forced to learn it to have friends so the classroom setting of learning a language was not there for me. And then that kind of continued. Always had this passion about sports, just looking around for opportunities to pursue that in the school setting um, when I transferred. So I ended up transferring to Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa. And kind of there got involved in the sports management program which is outstanding uh both professors there do an unbelievable job creating opportunities for students getting them involved both within the university's athletic programs and then uh the Dubuque Fighting Saints which are a USHL team that was in town so that was actually when I was deciding between a few schools that was a big draws I was like great I'll get some opportunities there not really knowing what it would turn into over my time at Loris and then so after my first year in 
at Loris in my sophomore year. I uh, wanted to spend summer back home with my parents. They're still living in Germany from Wisconsin originally, but had the opportunity to go back there and the highest level team was a Dell two hockey team. So kind of just reached out to them through a few mutual connections about the opportunity of interning during the summer, which they were ecstatic about. Uh, they had a two person office, which I know we probably will talk about a little bit later. They had a, their general manager was their owner, their business guy. He did all of it. And then they had a head coach who was American uh, in his first year. There had been a big time player for him. So kind of a really good opportunity for me to go in my first like full on internship experience. I had done some stuff um, with baseball the pre previous year. But first full opportunity in hockey was honestly just out of convenience of location. I had always kind of planned on working in baseball. And then that opportunity going back for my junior year, uh, Jason Lammers, who's now the head coach here at Niagara. I just got the job in Dubuque uh, as the head coach. I um, reached out to Professor Matt Garrett uh, at Loris, who's moving on this year to a new opportunity, but outstanding professor and forever indebted to the fact that he recommended me to Jason, uh, and then Jason and I kind of hit it off that first year. I was tracking stats during games. I was obviously still a full-time student. Enjoyed the hockey side a lot, so kind of just kept getting more and more involved. It expanded into an operations role uh, there for the next two seasons. Then had the opportunity to come to Niagara, got my master's in their program here. Another really strong program um, with a lot of opportunities for students. And then I obviously came with the focus being the job um, and the academic piece was kind of part of the financial compensation for those first two years. And then it's turned into a bit more full-time job throughout that and some expansion into running the rink through COVID was kind of a gift. They were like, well, you guys are the only team playing, so you'll run the facility and kind of have run with that and continued to use that as a way to help promote the program. So now in the role of both the facility side and then team day-to-day -day operations. But I hope that gives you a little bit of a basis on how we got to where we are today. Yeah, no doubt. Love hearing about all of that background and see a lot of parallels and, uh, you know, how we've kind of started off our careers. And it's part of been a big reason why we wanted to have you on the show, because uh, we kind of have that connection as it, as it comes to that hockey operations part. I know we're going to kind of dive into some of your experience, focusing on some of your experience that you had in Germany here coming up next. And uh, I know that's something that we'll have Ryan kind of ask you about. But it's interesting, too, that we're going to dive into some international conversations in Niagara itself right across the river from Canada. Canada as well. I remember that's always kind of a funny part of being at Niagara that some buildings are like Canadian cellular uh, Wi-Fi that, uh, you yeah. know, maybe some people don't even necessarily think of when they think of Niagara University. So uh, on that note, Ryan, I'll pass it off to you to kind of dive into some of the uh, experience on the international side. Thank you, Ryan. So Phil, kind of my first question here tonight is your experience over in Germany during that summer internship with the hockey club. What was that like for you in terms of just being back home in Germany with your parents, but also just having that first overall experience of, you know what, this is what working in sports is like. I've always dreamed of it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah. whole feeling going into it and then also just experiencing it throughout that whole summer summer experience? Yeah, so I was 
was obviously like very excited about the opportunity. Uh, didn't really know what to expect. I do speak German fluently. We moved over there when I was 10. So the first two years, it's supposed to be a three-year thing. My parents are still there. So been a bit, but speak German had kind of had a little bit of communication um, with Ralph Botter, who he's moved on to Bad Tolts now, but he was with SC Research Day at the time. Um, and they were in the L2, so the second league AAA equivalent, but not no affiliation with higher teams. And during my time there, I was not really sure what to expect. He was like, yeah, I'll have a job for you. Uh, and that was kind of it. He was like, show up this day and you have a job. So maybe not the traditional internship thing. I don't think they had ever really had someone reach out just wanting to work. And I was like, I want to work for free. He's like, I'll pay you. And I was like, oh, you did like, I really am just looking for the experience and looking for the opportunity to be back there. And the one thing I think, obviously it being at the second level of that hockey league, they draw really well. Um, it's a passionate fan base. Uh, they have some really good players. The one huge takeaway that has been kind of a benefit throughout what's become the next the probably eight to ten years since then is there was literally no one um so i got experience on the business side i was helping them run a sponsorship things do some youth outreach some business outreach some new initiatives to get teams in he just was like kind of here you go like run with it so I got some really good experience where sometimes I think if you if I would have done the equivalent internship in the U.S. and had my first like experience working in sports here you would have been so focused it would have been ticket internship marketing internship where I kind of each day was different he just took me with him to every meeting always had me involved anytime there were people coming he included me and then kind of, so I was very business focused for the beginning of the summer. And we got halfway through the summer. And he's like, I don't speak any English. So I want you to contact the import players coming and work through their travel, help them get acclimated, go around town with them and get them set up. So got to kind of get involved in indirectly the operations and team coordinator and working with the six import players that they had traveling from Canada, U.S., and Sweden. And got to see that side of it as well, which obviously I think that, that side really piqued my interest and then was involved with them for a little bit of the preseason on both sides uh, from a game operation and a the hockey operation side, which at that point for them was very, very limited uh, video coaching element that like now I laugh about uh, but at that time I was like this is incredible um, so it's kind of my first experience on that side so I think the biggest takeaway from that first summer was just a really fortunate that a they involved me as much as they did trusted me from day one to be involved and be a part of each process but just really fortunate that it was such an overarching view of what working in sports is and 
got to kind of get a little piece of each part of the pie on what goes into a successful organization. And yeah, that's kind of a time I'm forever indebted for because it just everything kind of aligned on that. So I mean, I'd love to hear it kind of overall having tried on different different hats, trying just to see overall what it's like to just run on a full level, running an organization, running a sports team uh, from the business side, getting your fans to come in to the uh, acclimation of import players, making sure that they get well accustomed to the city, to the venue, and just overall making their transition as seamless as possible. That way they can focus on the game, uh, focus their game on the ice. Uh, yeah. So for Phil, I'm kind of curious too, especially we have some international listeners who may have some experiences or have may not be aware of the opportunities that they may have in their home country, whether that's in Europe or in Asia. What would you say are kind of like good tips for our international side is, um, for an international listeners who may want to have some experience stateside, but also want to take into consideration those opportunities back home? Yeah, I think obviously the my biggest takeaway from the whole experience is just advocate for yourself. Uh, ask the question. Uh, it would have been very easy, I think, to not send it or I always laugh and, you know, now people reach out to you, people reach out about, you know, the profession. Um, kind of my one big takeaway and Ryan will laugh about this because Ryan, I think, originally reached out to me on LinkedIn the other probably four or five years ago now during COVID. But I, my takeaway is I will always respond to it if you say hello, Philip, or however you reach out, just so that I know it's not a copied and pasted thing. Like you took the two seconds to be like, here we go. Because um, kind of for me, that's how the one in Germany worked. I reached out. He said, call me in the morning, Philip. And we instantly had that name contact. I had met with him actually over Christmas quickly um, and just expressed like, hey, this is something I'd be interested in. Do you need it? And he's like, well, call me in a few months, like once their season ended. So we got in touch. But I always just think personalizing it and advocating for yourself are really the biggest things, whether it's in the U.S., whether it's internationally. And I think it never hurts to just go to the building, um, go there, show up and find the opportunity that's right for you. And, you know, I think my time looking there, I was like, oh, it'd be really cool if I worked for Bayern Munich. Uh, and there could have been some avenues that could have gone down that path and created an opportunity there. But I think that opportunity there would have been so focused on one of the areas where I think my probably the biggest advice now that I talked through it a little bit is don't worry about the status of the team. Don't worry about the league, the level, everything that goes into a successful organization, whether it's the first league, second league, third league, um, business side, team operations side, almost the lower down you go, the better the experience you're going to have because you're smaller staffed, you smaller resources so they're always looking for people who want to gain experience and in turn they're going to give you more access i think that's looking at my experience there were two people so they were like oh we have a third worker who 
doesn't want to get paid. This is incredible. And like they, I'm sure I got paid a little bit on the side. Um, but that was just kind of the one thing looking back. It was like, yes, Bayern would have been awesome. But I think the experience I ended up having with a second league team was probably better just because of different staffing sizes, different revenue resources. So I think that would be the takeaway. Advocate for yourself. Go after it. Um, the worst thing they can do is say no. It's really not that like people say no. It's going to happen the rest of your life on jobs. And if you don't try, you will always kind of have that regret, I think. So just going for it and finding an opportunity that's a good fit. I think you see minor league baseball opportunities in the U.S. Um, those are some of the best experiences I've heard about from people. Like even working in different sports, they like everyone raves about their experience doing summer internships with minor league baseball or summer league teams because they let you have so much fun. They have a small budget most of the time. So they get you involved and give you a lot of opportunity. But I think that's the biggest is just, you know, finding an opportunity that helps you get the experience that you need. Because I think I was 19 and I always enjoyed sports, always thought working in sports would be fun. It takes a little bit to learn what working in sports is. I think that's something I always say now, like, when we have new student workers or we have people come around is there's a huge difference from being a sports fan to working in sports. And you just have to kind of learn that. And that's where I think some of those opportunities is just finding, finding where you are still passionate about sports. So. Thank you for that. I love kind of the whole advocating for yourself, regardless of the team that you're playing for or the position, understanding that you bring value to yourself, to the organization, and you're the best fit, or and at least trying to find that best fit for you, yourself and understanding, all right, is this where I see myself still finding that passion to work in sports, or is there something else that I can find? Or at the end of the day, just going through the experience and going, all right, I learned a lot from it. Maybe this just wasn't for me down the line, but I'm glad that I know about it. And that could be from the interview process, the application process, and experience the internship itself going through it and, and just seeing like all right these are what I liked or what I didn't like um, which kind of leads into our next question for you Philip is given your experience over abroad in, in Germany and now uh, with Niagara University and some time over in uh, Iowa how would you compare the sports scene in the U.S. compared to over out in Germany? Yeah I obviously I think Fans are very passionate in the German league. It's a little different. You've got the drums, you've got the flags, you've got players. So a little bit different environment, um, kind of probably more what you'd see MLS-wise uh, from a fan base standpoint. Uh, Dubuque has an incredibly passionate fan base. So that was kind of another area. And then Niagara is an area that at times has had a very passionate fan base and something we're working to get back to I think my third second year here was kind of the beginning of COVID so third year you didn't have fans so now we've been two years back to fans had some really good crowds this year it's just there's different environments um and some of it's creating that environment but I think that would be the biggest difference is just kind of 
the environment, the elements that come into the arena. And Dubuque is the cowbells. I know Brian was in Cedar Rapids for a bit, so he knows all about the cowbells oh, yeah. and all those Iowa teams. It's I don't think I can ever hear a cowbell again, but it was loud <laughs> and it made a difference. Um, and then that would be probably my biggest difference just between the three. And then Dubuque, you have a much larger staff. You have a business office, you have a hockey staff, you have scouting, you have a general manager, you have a whole different build out where there was one guy was all of those jobs. So, but that changes from levels as well. Obviously, if you're with like Red Bull Munich, which was like the closest L team, they have a pretty full hockey staff and then a full business staff as well. Gotcha. So it, it varies based on kind of the organization you're with, based on the staffing size, as well as kind of the league that the team is is participating in. But overall, kind of your 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 key difference here is the fan base. Where out in Germany, they're very passionate. They have more unique ways to kind of create that attention, create that experience for their yeah. team. For that whole thing, express their passion in different ways. But like everywhere is pretty passionate. That's just right different way of expressing it so exactly exactly uh and then i love that you brought up your time over with dubuque and niagara along with that as well what would you say are some key differences or, or just some similar similarities as well working in professional sports with usl with the ushl team to then transitioning over to collegiate athletics over at niagara university uh originally that answer has kind of changed um over the past two years um but i would say originally you know in dubuque you you're building a team for that year so the players come in you help with that you can trade players cut players so your involvement is a little bit different where there it's hockey 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 um and you help the students out that are still taking classes on the progress to playing in college after that stopped. So there was a little bit of that where now you're focused coming to Niagara and the operations role. You're worried about grades. You're worried about classes. You are involved in a very different way because in Dubuque, they go home at the end of the night to the billet family on campus. They're obviously dorm situation living off campus but you get involved in some nutrition things and feeding during the season so i'd say the biggest difference is obviously managing the academic load uh, making sure players stay on track um, through that and then obviously until the last two years when you had a player here it was kind of for four years so you were building the person, the student, and the player for those four years. We're now with the transfer portal. Some of that's changed to you're building a new team each year. Not completely, but uh, there's elements where now you don't have that four-year process necessarily with all the players. But I think the biggest thing is, in my role especially, is the academic side. Where in Dubuque it was player performance which there's that element here as well but the biggest addition and time commitment would be academics uh, but as we dive deeper into your time with Niagara I'll, I'll pass it over to Ryan here to uh, really get, get get more going on 
Yeah, appreciate that, Ryan. Yeah, super excited to dive into the hockey ops, you know, realm of things here, Philip. And I want to start off by just mentioning some things that you mentioned off earlier in this podcast, kind of about your first introduction into sports. You were always involved and interested in kind of that team side when it comes to looking at salary caps or why are players drafting or why are teams drafting certain players over others or uh, all, all of that kind of goes into the team side uh, when it comes to, you know, working for a sports team more so than even, you know, necessarily on the business side. And that was always something that that I could relate to. I, I could think in my own experiences getting into hockey, really more so when I was in high school and just following the Chicago Blackhawks when, yeah, back when they were playing a little bit better hockey than picking first overall in the draft, but just seeing who they would draft, who they would look to trade for was always things that really kind of stood out to me. And uh, once I heard that that was also something interesting for you and, and being able to work in operations, it really kind of sparked my interest in, in diving into that career path a little bit more. So for our kind of listeners that are maybe a little bit unsure about what are some of the different things that go into hockey operations? Because there's so many different umbrellas and, and things that are kind of under your wing when you have a, a hockey operations role. How would you kind of break it down in terms of some of your key responsibilities as director of hockey operations at Niagara? Yeah, so some of it's changed throughout time. Um, obviously, adding the rink, some of the areas that I've been involved are a little bit different. Uh, obviously, you help where you can. On the recruiting side, pre-COVID, we didn't have instats, so I would have to like break down recruits for the coaches so that they would watch it. So that's an area now where with instat, they can get the video quick, which is nice, and that's kind of an area I've gotten a little bit away from just towards helping that. Obviously, the academic side, um, team travel, which is like an area that I've kind of become passionate about because I think we have a really good opportunity in our role to create an experience um, for the student athletes that they maybe wouldn't have introduced into different things and try to turn the trip into, it's never a vacation, it's always a work trip, but give them some experiences with food and fueling the body that allow them to perform at a higher level. And then alumni engagement is an area that we support, get involved a little bit in fundraising and trying to find ways to help support that from this role. Uh, and then community engagement would be another big one. Obviously, once you get onto a college campus, you have athletic admins, you have people involved, but then each team kind of, you become your own advocates for that. So it's an area we were involved with Team Impact uh, we had a kid named Jack who's still involved with us, who's made a huge difference on the team. We've like go to his games. He comes to ours, um, been involved in a lot of different ways with him. Great organization. And then different times that different people in the community need things, whether it's a, the campus community, the local surrounding communities, but finding ways to give back because obviously very fortunate uh, to be playing college athletics at that level a lot of those players are using athletics to pay for their academic side uh which is a pretty fortunate and good opportunities to give back to the community and just kind of live the vision and mission of the university as well through that so that's kind of the basic umbrella i feel like i'm yeah. forgetting one but i'm <laughs> sure it'll come up in conversation 
Yeah, well, that's actually a perfect explanation of what it is in hockey ops, because it is what just ever comes up over the course of a day that, uh, you know, people don't necessarily inherently think about. A lot of that can fall on the operations person. And I want to ask you a little bit more on Instat, because I think that was a really interesting conversation. But before I ask you on that, just want to hit on some of those areas you touched on with the team travel. I think that's such an interesting area that, you know, people don't inherently think about how the team, you know, traveled to get there and the hotels they stayed in and the meals that needed to be, you know, timed out properly so that the student athletes can perform perform at such a high level. I thought you did a great job of hitting on that. And uh, it is one of those, you know, important tasks that in hockey operations, you can make a little bit of a competitive advantage. You know, if you more kind of notice it when things go wrong, if, you know, you've had like a disastrous travel situation, then uh, that, that can kind of, you know, derail a team a little bit. But uh, it's, a, it's important to make sure that, uh, you know, you're doing your due diligence weeks in advance to make sure all that goes smoothly. And uh, even on that note, too, um, you talked about how you manage the facility and adding on responsibilities over the time of your course. Uh, or, or over the course of your time at Niagara rather. So I think that's definitely a credit to, you know, being able to make, in, you know, increased value over the course of doing hockey operations, you get a better feel for how things flow and you can identify how you can, you know, continue to make an impact uh, on the facility. I know that was a little COVID induced, but still definitely, uh, you know, echoes the point there. So now to, to the insat side, because I know video is definitely a big part of this role that uh, both you and I get to help in game when it comes to the video, you know, being the people up top, not on the benches that are able to live code games and be able to provide some, you know, real value to what's going on on the ice, which is something that I find very self-fulfilling about my job as well. But you touched on how Instat, you know, kind of created a little bit of change in your role that, um, you know, it allows for a little bit more seamless access to watch video. But, you know, for some of our listeners at home that may not know as much about the logistics of Instat, and this was definitely the case for me, I hadn't been introduced to it until uh, you were able to show it to me, Philip, and, and now it's such a big part of my job. How would you kind of break down what Instat is and how you're able to utilize it uh, to your advantage when it comes the you know helping a hockey team yes yeah, so i think i mean there's piles and piles of data that instead has that some some of it we use some you don't um there's good and bad kind of how each team plays that we can pull from we get reports uh, on our own team through instead that's through our league deal we do some of the reports still on our own from in-game stuff like chance reports Special teams reports, we kind of have certain things that we're looking for, but there's some basics that Instat has. I think the biggest area, obviously, that Instat has changed hockey operations in college's role is in the past, you would have to, a game would be on hockey TV, you'd download the three-hour video, scroll through ads, fast-forward clip when you saw certain numbers, the number of the player you were looking for. And at the end, you do this in Exos, Cat, any of the services that you have were an Exos team. But you essentially do what Instat does one player at a time. Um, and obviously, someone has to do that on Instat's end. But for us, as a customer of Instat or SportLogic, any of the other companies that are providing that service, you're able to go in and watch players from all around the world uh, with the click of a button, watch their 16-minute shift where in the past you were watching the three hours to find those 16 minutes. Uh, so I think it's created a lot of time. It's created a lot of opportunity uh, for coaching staffs to watch a player more times. Like, it's easy to watch a player three, four times on the flight to go watch them in person and decide if that's the fit. So you'd know 
you have a pretty comfortable feel for each player now. And obviously, even once a player commits, it's nice for programs to be able to go and watch the video, keep track of what the player's doing, and have feedback there where needed. Yeah, very uh, well said. And stat is, is certainly a great tool and uh, it has made a lot more uh, easy access to, you know, analyze information and get access to video of players. I remember the first time that I found out early about Instat, I was like, wow, it was almost mind blowing to me that, you know, you could just click on any player like uh, and, and see their shifts. And even for me, just as a fan, too, I, I love being able to see who the next, you know, generation of, of top players. So for me to have the ability to just go watch every Connor Bedard goal from this past year uh, without having to cut it up myself is a, is a really unique opportunity and something that as a Blackhawks fan, I, I definitely will be doing my fair share of uh, over the next couple of months leading up to the draft. But I uh, really enjoyed hearing you talk about that. And uh, we'll we'll dive into our, our Flash Friday segment in here in just one second, Philip. We, we got to put you on the hot seat. We, we end off our podcast by just getting to know your personality a little bit but before we do that another element of hockey operations that you touched on that i think is really essential uh and and impactful as well is being able to help out within the community scheduling those team events and being able to help get your team a little bit more of an opportunity to impact the surrounding area and i know in upstate new york it, it's very hockey uh focused and and we both work in schools in in you know the upstate part of new york and uh there is a really nice opportunity to get involved with the community that we get to do at colgate and at niagara so what are some of those kind of key events and, and initiatives you guys have taken on uh, to get involved in the community uh, at Niagara? I think it's kind of, there's obviously the multiple layers to it. There's finding ways to support your campus, whether that's supporting other athletic teams events, supporting community events, supporting charity events on campus. Um, our team each year supports there's a special olympics event put on on campus they have a basketball tournament and have been involved in that there's academic professors reaching out when they need help with simple projects so the other week we went and it was with jewish family services they needed help moving furniture from a hotel that had donated it to um, a site for ukrainian refugees um, coming to the area and they were like yeah you know we have volunteers but our volunteers are 65 plus this is it's going to take a while and our group can go with 15 players and do it in two hours for them so just different ways I think there's always the giving back to your campus anytime an organization on campus a staff group on campus needs help we try to step up and meet that because they all return that for us and they do so much for us that you don't ever see. And so that's where you kind of try to give back, whether it's facility services or any of the academic groups, um, just because they're really always kind of there for you. And that's kind of how we've always broken it down. And then obviously through team impact, we've had the opportunity to have Jack join our team and be a part of our team over the last four and a half years so that's that's an organization i can't say enough good things about um kind of bringing him in and giving him the opportunity to be involved with our program have that experience with our program um they do an outstanding job so those would be my big takeaways and then one thing just to hit on something you said earlier ryan um about the travel elements of the job yeah my one piece of advice for anyone that ever 
gets into hockey operations, thinking about getting into hockey operations, sometimes things are not going to go as planned. Uh, always find food. Uh, if you find food, everyone will be happy while you figure out kind of the next steps. We were traveling back from playing North Dakota the other year and Southwest had canceled all their flights countrywide. Uh, and you show up at the Minneapolis airport at 430. I think we door dashed however many breakfast sandwiches from someplace. And then a little bit later, you door dashed subs for lunch. And then we were on a bus and going to a different airport to get home that night. But always find food. If you keep everyone fed, the keep quiet and let you be calm for making decisions. So it's my one piece of advice that didn't get to hit on earlier. Yeah. Love that. That's definitely a great piece of advice. You don't want to be dealing with unhappy people that are also hungry. That's uh, that's very, very well said. Uh, definitely agree with you on, on all those points and glad you were able to touch on some of those, uh, you know, impacts you guys make in the community. Cause I feel like that is a nice role and opportunity to have in hockey operations. You get to work with all the staff, all the players really closely, and uh, you can kind of, you know, step up, be a little bit of a leader and, and see a little bit bigger picture of why you're doing things. I think that was something that was one of my big takeaways from my first year finishing at Colgate was uh, even outside of some you know good team success we had it, it was a lot of times even more rewarding and satisfying to be involved with helping out other people in our community so um definitely wanted to hit on that but as foreshadowed earlier philip we got to put you on the hot seat we end off our podcast with our flash friday segment so we like to give our listeners a little bit better insight into who you are away from uh the hockey rink and uh, uh what you like to do in your free time so first question for me kind of hinting on a lot of what we touched on in this podcast your experience in germany so give me one food or maybe a rest restaurant or uh, a type of food that you miss the most that if you went back to Germany, it would be the first thing you get. What would be uh, that first meal you would have uh, if you made a trip back over to Germany? Um, definitely a like good traditional schnitzel uh, with the German like wheat beer. Can't beat it. <laughs> Love it. That, that's great. I, I, Germany's definitely on my list. I haven't been over there myself. So I got to get, got to make sure I put that one down and, uh, and get on that myself. So love that answer for me, uh, on that one. Uh, one more flash Friday question for, uh, me, for you on this one, Philip, uh, give me either you can, you can pick on this one, the most recent concert that you've been to, or the concert you would like to go to most, uh, that you have of an artist. Maybe you have not yet seen, uh, before. The most recent concert I went to, oh man, I think the most recent concert I went to is Lucas Nelson. Um, but we have a concert venue like two blocks from our house. Uh, it's like an outdoor summer concert, so you can like sit up in the backyard and listen to them all. So you kind of <laughs> blend into a lot of them, kind of listen to a little bit of everything. So. There you go. You, you get free concerts with that. Uh, it's a nice perk. Free of, concerts. Uh, of the spot. I think the last one, <laughs> last one I went to, I think, was Lucas Nelson. There you go. That's that's a it's a great perk. You got to use it up because uh, the winters can get a little brutal there. So enjoy the summers. Enjoy the free music uh, while you got it. So love that answer. But Ryan, I'll pass it off to you. I know you've got a couple of Flash Friday questions for Philip as well. Thank you, Ryan. So Philip, my my first question for you with you being over at Niagara. Niagara Falls is kind of one of those tourist, tourist hotspots, but some may consider it as a tourist trap. What would you consider like an overrated spot in Niagara that people always go to and somewhere that they need to, to, to venture out to the next time that they're there or going there for the first time? I would say the underrated place is Lewiston. Kind of don't want to say that because you want to keep it a secret. Um, no, nice little town. Um, I live in Lewiston. Our whole staff lives in Lewiston. Uh, 
10 minutes from the falls. So nice, quiet town, great restaurants, a lot of good places to go. Um, same thing can be said for downtown Buffalo. And then I think if you're at the falls, my one pitch would be definitely do the Maid of the Mist. Um, it's one of those tourist things, but it's I've done it anytime someone comes to visit. And each time you're like, that was pretty cool. So it's one that doesn't get old where some of the other ones I think are tourist traps to your point. Gotcha. Okay. Well, if I make my way out there, I'll make sure to made of the myth, right? Made of the myth. Sure. Yeah. Made of both the myth. Okay. Both that goes right underneath it. Pretty cool. Oh, okay. About a 20 minute boat ride. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'll have to make sure to, to write that down and if I make my way out there, I'll make sure, make sure to do the made of the myth. Uh, but for my next question for you, Philip, is we talked a lot about kind of the fan experience or kind of the fan comparison over in Germany compared to the United States. You mentioned drums, you mentioned cowbells over in Dubuque. If you had any opportunity to kind of create a new fan experience, what would be that one item be? So you have like the Bufuzela over at the World Cup. What would be that one item or that one thing you get started uh, if you had that opportunity? I think the one thing that I think does an unbelievable job in the college sports sphere, um, and it's an area that we've been working on at Niagara, we're starting to get a nice group, but the places that have bands um, make an unbelievable difference. It's fun. There's music. They're well-timed. Uh, having a band is, I sneaky really enjoy that. Um, being from Madison, obviously, remember going to, UW football games when I was little and I always loved the band always kind of fun element that you only have in college sports are you thinking more of like a rock band jazz band what kind of band are we talking about marching band yeah like just the marching band that keeps a little energy in the rank between whistles and yeah I think that's kind of where we're going ours yeah. is like a little bit of a rock band interesting okay. <laughs> but it's pretty good so there you go there we go. Thank you so much, Philip. Well, yeah, no worries. Got to make shit down for our, our listeners to when they make their way over to Niagara, check out the Maid of Mist, check out Lewiston, and also too, like, who knows? Maybe next season we'll see uh, some bands coming up to <laughs> Niagara University. Oh yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, that uh, that'll do it for us on uh, on this front office. You thank you again so much to Philip for joining us on uh, on the podcast today. Before we sign off, Philip, any way for our listeners to get in touch with you? What would you recommend uh, if anyone has any kind of follow up questions or would love to continue the conversation with you? Yeah, happy for any of you guys to reach out LinkedIn, Twitter, anywhere on social media, um, or I'm not sure. If your listeners have yourself, they reach out to you. Feel free to pass along my contact, Great. Brian. Make sure to share Brian's contact with me and just stay connected. Anything you guys need, always happy to help um, people looking to get into the industry. I had a lot of people that helped me and been kind of a fun ride and kind of continue going, but always happy to talk to anyone, talk through ideas. You know, Ryan and I bounce ideas off each other kind of our season ended and <laughs> both bounced a few ideas off each other and something we've done the last two, three years since connecting initially. So yeah, never hesitate to reach out. Um, yeah, that's kind of perfect. Happy to talk to anyone. So 
Yeah, we really appreciate that, Philip. And yeah, we'll put Philip's uh, social media in the description of this podcast as well um, for you guys to be able to to reach out. And yeah, thank you again to Philip. Always uh, been a, a great mentor to me. And as you mentioned, following up is uh, as good a tool as there is in uh, this industry. So make sure you do that with uh, with us and with Philip on this one. But um, for all of us here at Front Up is You, for my co-host, Ryan Manny, we thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will be back again with a new episode next Friday. Thanks, everybody.